With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Also, everyone, just wash your hands all the time. Sing 20 seconds of something. How long is the horse intro? Get my fingernails on the inside of my palms. Interlock my fingers, then go around my thumb. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the lack of attendance at games to NBA games going forward, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Well, it's a good thing we did all of our traveling before, and now we're not traveling ever again. Can you imagine if my wedding was not on February 29th, the last good day? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I feel can't. like once March hit, it was like, just kidding. The world sucks. Oh, God. Listen, I still have faith that 2020 is going to be be all right but a uh, large outbreak was not on my bingo card remember when life was simpler and all we were doing was going to war with iran <laughs> <laughs> an easier time in the world this is a basketball podcast i think to keep everyone safe at home instead of playing a drinking game with this podcast you should play a hand washing game that's every true. time we say shack <laughs> wash your hands <laughs> every time we say charles barkley's name you need to put sanitizer on <laughs> Every time we talk about Sue Bird, uh, scrub your floors, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that sounds good. Obviously, this is a basketball podcast. Before we get into the basketball portion of it, we got to take a little bit of a break here to get ourselves prepared to discuss basketball. Mm-hmm. And for that, we're going to head on over to the Teal Memorial Locker Room. Teal is alive and very healthy. Teal is very alive and no one else is allowed in the locker room other than official, <laughs> other than official members of the horse team. Yes, which is us and Teal. That's it. <laughs> you know who's very good at washing their hands? <laughs> I can only imagine who it is. It's our new patron. Oh, it's our new patron. So shout out to Quinn Floyd. And of course, shout out to all of our existing producer level patrons. Brianne Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Bird, Shooby Dooby Doo, I am Adam Silver, Godzilla Garpuzzi, Dame Judy Dench is my DM, Walter Vandermaiden, Madeline Heising, Soph Slam Chops, Steph Curry for three, Siobhan Ellsbury, Kendra Hadley, and he sells seashells. Ooh, ah. nailed it on his first try. <laughs> now, see, I left that in there for fun and people enjoyed it. You all have an inherent knowledge of how long 24 seconds is because you love basketball so much. So it's super easy for you to wash your hands for 20 to 24 seconds. I also would highly recommend you can also sing Curtis Blow's Basketball while you wash oh, your that's hands. that's good. You, you know, basketball is my favorite sport. Nails on the pump. I like the way they dribble up and down the court, twist around the I'm thumb. surprised we haven't made that meme. We need to make that meme. <laughs> the guys from No Dunks made it. The guys oh, who used to be the good. starters, they put it on their Instagram story and I was like, this is really good and I'm very upset that I didn't think of it first. <laughs> that's true. Unrelated to basketball, the chorus of... Toto's Africa is 20 seconds long. Yes, but also um, Love Hurts by Lizzo is also 20 seconds long. That's what I've been doing. Mm, yeah. Why men great till they gotta be great, get on anything else. Is that one called Truth Hurts? Did I say Love Hurts? You did. Keep it in. Keep it in. Fake fan of Lizzo, Eric Silver. I've, I've seen Fake Lizzo, ass but- Fake ass fan. What's a, oh, I, Love Hurts is my favorite song. Shut up. <laughs> 
I've seen Lizzo six times since 2013. And you couldn't be bothered to remember the uh, name of her songs. Shut up. <laughs> shut up, Mike. I could have said so many worse things on Twitter when you were gone, and I didn't. It's okay. If I you... shielded you. I, everything was going badly for the Knicks, and I'm like, no, don't tell them. You know what's great is the people who still went out of their way to tag me on Twitter and say, hey, I know you're in a honeymoon, and I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to ruin the honeymoon, but the Knicks are doing bad things, and you should see this. Multiple people were like, but I had to send you this. Yo, you fucking didn't, dude. I explicitly said, hey, don't do this. You didn't? <laughs> have to send me things about the Knicks being dumb. I know it's going to happen. It's expected. But please, let me relax. <laughs> <sighs> I had to send you this. You really did. I had I had to send you this. That's true. I forgot that you guys went into a bunker for your honeymoon and you didn't have any connection to the internet at all. So you wouldn't have known. You were so far away in that cheesecake factory in Bulgaria, which you went to. No contact to Wi-Fi. You wouldn't have known anything. So if you're feeling very upset, like <laughs> Eric and I both are right now, our sponsor can help you out because oh, that's Jesus our sponsor, Christ. BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest counseling service. They are here to help you with mental health and reaching out to get help, which are incredibly important. You wouldn't hesitate to go to the doctor for professional care, like if you broke a limb or had... COVID-19. So your mental health deserves the same attention. This might surprise you, but Mike and I use humor to cope with what's going on outside. But uh, if this is definitely a thing that you want to talk to, you should talk to a professional. The general anxiety is the hardest one to like put your finger on. Definitely. It's just like, oh, things are bad, but am I allowed to feel bad about our lives, the like fucking reality in which we're in? But like that is a 100% a good reason to talk to a therapist and BetterHelp can really help you do that. And we've received emails from listeners of various multitude shows saying that they've started to use BetterHelp and they love it and that the meetings went really well and they love the people they've been paired with. So if you want to be like some of these multitude listeners, you can join them. And as a horse listener, you'll get 10% off your first month if you go to BetterHelp.com slash horse. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash horse to get 10% off your first month. Nice. Discounts on mental health stuff. Who would have thought that that needs to be less money? Mm -hmm. So use BetterHelp and wash your hands the entire time that you talk to someone today. <laughs> That's a lot of time. That's more than 20 seconds. That's overkill. Again, we're doing <laughs> using the humor to cope with what's happening here. I don't know if you knew. If you knew that about us, people who professionally talk into microphones and have people listen to us. <laughs> if that's a thing that we like to do. <laughs> oh, jeez. So the last thing that I want to discuss with you, Eric, before we get into our first segment, is a, a belated gift that I have to give to you. Aww. It was something that I was going to give you at the live show in Los Angeles, but unfortunately, I left it in the hotel room. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because I confused this with my other gray t-shirt that I brought, but I got you <laughs> a gray t-shirt, and this would have worked better at the LA live show because you'd see it. But it's related to a joke that you've made on the show and my favorite team. It's a New York Knicks Knish shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get this? I will not say because the person <laughs> who sells it sells this on the down low because it uses the Knicks logo. So they right. don't want to be known. But I'll tell you when we're not recording. But it's someone that runs a legitimate business that also makes these on the side and tries to be hush hush about it. But I saw it on Twitter and got it for you. So for the listeners at home, we'll put a picture of this on the website. But it's like the Knicks logo. But instead of Knicks, it says Knish. And then instead of a basketball, it's, it's a, a Knish with a bite out of it. <laughs> so now you can be the true conditioner. 
I love it. Also, I want to re-gift this to my dad so badly. You do, it, do with it as you will. I need to get it to the Because when I was asking Amanda for your shirt size, she was like, I really don't know if he's going to wear a novelty Knicks shirt. And I was like, I don't care. This is worth the I do like the that investment. I have it. I'm definitely down that I have it. And you really escalated it by telling me it was a secret. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is a good present. All right, there you go. It's yeah, very good. That was your belated Valentine's Day present. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> that I forgot to bring to the show. I appreciate Amanda trying to protect me. Like, <laughs> hey, just so you know. He's not going to wear this thing. He's not going to wear <laughs> He's not going to wear this parody of your favorite team. <laughs> I do like it. It's very good. Thank you, Mike. It's also soft. I, it is soft. <laughs> I also like that you now know unequivocally what a knish is. It was helpful for me. It was this a learning great. experience. See, we're going to just have so many goofs at the front. We got to get this all out. <laughs> After like a month of traveling, we're like, we're going to sit here and not go outside and make dumb jokes about things. It's been very good. So let's get into our first true segment of basketballness to talk about in this episode. And that segment we like to call Full Court Press. Get it? Like the news? Time out, Eric and Mike from two days ago. The world has become vastly different in the past 48 hours. We recorded this full court press right after the Warriors said they were going to start playing games with no one in the crowd. And that evening, the NBA suspended the season. So it's future past Eric and Mike talking about this new development. Hey, Eric, how's it going? <laughs> it's not even a timeout. It's like a rescheduling, much like what the NBA is going to have to do. Pretty much. It is a very confusing time. So again, for context, even though we already did this when we recorded this on Wednesday, which we will put this failed full core press that is completely irrelevant, but still very funny up as our overtime for this episode on patreon.com slash soups. But we're recording this at 1.30 p.m. on Friday, March 13th. And where we stand currently, the NBA has suspended its season for at least a month. They have not said what is going to happen afterwards. They've just said the games aren't going to happen for 30 days. And a big reason for this is our French person, I won't even call him a friend, Rudy Gobert. No, we're all very mad at Rudy for not taking any of this seriously. Yes, we are not mad at Rudy for getting the coronavirus. We're mad at Rudy for acting a fool whilst being patient zero of the coronavirus in the NBA. So for context... A couple days before being ruled out sick from playing a game because he has the coronavirus, there were precautions that the NBA media was taking to try to keep their workers and their players safe. One of those included having reporters stay very far away from teams and coaches and players while they gave press conferences. And Rudy Gobert, after one of these press conferences, as a joke, you know, which is very funny when there's a pandemic going on, he touched every single reporter's microphones with his hand and then left the media availability. Then two days later, he was ruled as being questionable for the game with flu-like symptoms of some sort of illness. And then right before the Oklahoma City Thunder were set to play the Utah Jazz in Oklahoma City, the doctors found out that Rudy tested positive for the coronavirus and the game got shut down and then the league got shut down. There are so many repercussions. This is like the butterfly effect. There are so many repercussions for Rudy Gobert smooshing every single one of the microphones with his hands. The wildest thing about this is that Everyone who is affiliated with the Jazz and the Thunder was quarantined in the stadium mm -hmm. while everyone was running around trying to find corona tests, which is another, like, thing entirely. 
Yes, 58 people were tested, including players, personnel, some beat writers that were there. 58 people got tested right after this was figured out. And what sucks about that is that the CDC tested 77 other people that week. So it's not great that if you are apparently rich or what people deem important, you can get tested, but not if you're, you know, sick. What was it? It was like everyone affiliated with the Utah Jazz was 0.6% of everyone who was tested in the United States in total, like up to that point. Uh, man. Nearly 1% of the people was just people affiliated with the Utah Jazz. Oh, my God. It is an understatement to say that we, as America, are handling this incredibly poorly from the people in charge. Have you seen what South Korea is doing? They're fantastic. They have, like, drive-through testing Mm -hmm. that you can get done. It's fantastic. I mean, not to go too much about what people preparing for this at at all, but, I mean, they've been dealing with this since uh, January. Like, we're just doing the social distancing now. We're just doing the keeping people away from large events thing now. We should have been doing this eight weeks ago. Let's not get too political because everyone knows (laughs) how frustrating it is. Let's focus on the basketball aspect of it, though, because this is very strange. Is the league going to happen Do you just not have a championship this year? Do you do truncated playoffs? Do you just resume the season? Because the other thing is that a lot of these arenas schedule stuff way far in advance. And how are you supposed to just say, oh, yeah, let's have the playoffs in July? Sorry, I forgot that we're a basketball podcast for a second. It's (laughs) one of those things. We Uh, only ever talk about basketball. We only talk about basketball, so this is so new and different for me. This is what I said even a few days ago. We really are living through history. And even though it's our day-to-day lives, it really is like you could look at this in a journal and it's important and the way that we react to it and the way that communities react to it is important. I don't know. I feel like I would cancel it. It's like at some point there just needs to be a hard restart and everyone should just like start over. Like they're really pushing stuff to October and there's that whole idea of that like, oh, the flu's going to go away because of the heat and then maybe it'll come back when it gets cold again. I'm not really sure. So like I think that everyone, like all of society just needs to hit like a hard restart and be like, all right, in September we're going to start everything up again. There's nothing like this that we can compare it to. Yeah, I mean, even looking at some of the projections, even if we flatten the curve and do our part to stop the pandemic from spreading, it's looking like things are not going to be good until the summer is over. Things won't be Mm. normal again. So I personally would not attend an NBA game if they had any more or any playoff game. I wouldn't do any of that. Of course, the owners are going to want to have games and stuff because it's going to affect their bottom line. But there's bigger things here than money and seeing a sport being played we've got people's health to worry about and i think it's sad but probably the smart decision just to say hey guys let's just stop and pick it up next year i think we should be smart at some point it's just not worth it to have this together and i think this is kind of like the lowest stakes version of like people who have when you really think about it basketball players have seasonal jobs and they can do stuff outside of the offseason, but related to their commitments to the NBA and to their team, it is seasonal. So I just saw that Woj posted there was an email that went around from the Players Association. In an email to players, the NBPA spelled out terms on a doomsday provision included in the CBA that could free owners from paying players a percentage of salaries should the rest of the season be lost to the coronavirus pandemic. Woof. 
the rich people are going to keep their money, which is kind of the reinforcement that society allows. And the people who are getting paid by them, I guess, are just going to kind of get cut loose. And this is like the lowest stakes here because NBA players get paid millions of dollars. So I think that they're going to be fine even if the NBA season gets canceled. It relates to the way that other people are getting paid, like restaurant people who work in the service industry, especially in restaurants. Like, what are they going to do? They're just going to have less customers. You can't allow people to go outside. You can't allow people to collect in any sort of group. Like, they're not going to make the money either so is this just like the way that everyone's going to deal with it just like oh there's no job so you're not going to get paid i know trump's not going to do this but the idea of universal basic income is that going to be a thing that's going to happen now are people going to get paid if you don't have a job are you going to get paid a certain amount of money because corona fucked up your job this this is specific in the way that we deal with the basketball is the way that we should be dealing with everybody's job like do we need to get paid to survive even when society hits pause what I really hope happens, because if, if the players lose out on part of their contract, you know, it's not the end of the world for most of them because they're talking about, oh, I only made $10 million this season and not 15 or whatever. What I hope is that more teams do what the Cleveland Cavaliers have done, which is they are paying all of the hourly employees that work just in the arena, so concessions, etc. Those people are getting paid as if the rest of the season still happened, which I think is truly yeah. fantastic. And I hope more owners step up. What's great is that this started with players. Kevin Love pitched $100,000 to pay for this. Then the owner of the Cavs decided to institute the policy where they're going to pay everyone. I hope everybody else steps up because to these rich multi-millionaire, these billionaire owners giving their employees not even extra money, just the money they should have gotten if the league didn't get canceled for the season. I think mm -hmm. it's the right thing to do. And it sucks to see people like Joe Legab, owner of the Warriors, say things like, oh, I feel really bad for these guys and we really should think about them. Yo, pay him, Joe Lacob. Especially what he was bragging about how the Warriors were making more income than like any other team in the NBA. We know you have the money, bro. Hopefully more goodwill comes out of this. Hopefully more owners step up to the plate and we're really just going to have to see how things develop. But it's a shame that Rudy Gobert, this guy who was making a joke out of safety precautions, ended up having the disease and spreading it. I don't know if Woj has something against Rudy Gobert. Woj's reporting is interesting because sometimes he has certain vendettas against teams that don't give him scoops. That's why he constantly shits on the Knicks. Well, there are plenty of reasons there why is, people but, shit on the but Knicks. But he goes, oh, wait, we're not going to talk about how James Dolan wanted uh, everything to go as normal while everyone else was like, I don't know about that. So did Tillman Fertitta of the Rockets, so I'm not alone. But yes, he's super awful. But the thing is, Woj will do this to teams and players that won't give him scoops. That's why Woj is always critical of LeBron as well, because LeBron doesn't give him any sort of scoop and info. But Woj in one of his tweets was like, yeah, Rudy Gobert was being really careless and touching a lot of teammates and equipment around the locker room and stuff, which I wouldn't put it past Rudy to do, given that he touched all those microphones as a quote unquote joke. But what I found really strange is that, like you had mentioned earlier, people with the jazz and then also a bunch of jazz beat writers were taking Rudy Gobert's side, which was like, yo, this is not the time to take his side. There's this guy, Andy Larson, who I used to follow on Twitter, who I promptly unfollowed because this was ridiculous. He was like, guys, Rudy didn't know he had the disease. That's not the point. 
None of us. It's because he's careless. It's yeah. It's like it's like of course he would have acted differently if he knew he had it. But the whole point of being smart and social distancing and washing your hands and staying inside and staying safe is because you don't know if you have it right away and you could spread it and maybe it does go undetected. So saying he didn't know he had it, that's not an excuse. I'm not going to feel bad for Rudy Gobert for being an asshole. Right. The way that people are looking at this and like shout out to the French who have their Smurf festival <laughs> so that they can spread it around because they don't want to stop living. Woo! Yay, Smurf festival. It's the fact that Rudy Gobert thought it was funny for him to endanger other people. Like it's not about whether you get sick. It's why you do things to other people that will uh, endanger your community the thing that made me the most upset and i'm so mad at rudy about this is that the first thing that we saw when sports center like took woji's tweet and put it into like graphics it was like first case alert rudy gobert and then the second one was donovan mitchell because now donovan mitchell tested positive for covid19 mm -hmm. and i'm like oh it's because your asshole teammate gave it to you like donovan mitchell wasn't doing anything that whole game was put in peril because rudy gobert is an asshole and he's the one who like kicked everything off all of the NBA teams have interacted with each other in the time, the supposed like time that the the sickness was in his body to everybody else. So like everyone is in danger because he was not careful. Mm -hmm. I would also like to say that I think Mark Cuban was the first owner to propose that he was going to put some sort of money together to, to pay the workers. So I just want to shout him out on that yes. because we have been critical of the cubes. Yes, but he comes through and does good things. And this is one of them. Yeah, we don't know if Rudy was first. Maybe Donovan had it and gave it to Rudy. But Rudy's carelessness should not be tolerated. And we can't feel bad for him. He was making fun of safety precautions. It's not funny. This is serious. <laughs> as much as Woj, like, does get on people's cases, like, I can definitely see how different people were like, yeah, Rudy was careless. <laughs> like, sounds like a kind of guy who was careless, huh? Yeah. Like, the story coalesced around his bullshit. So, like, that doesn't surprise me. So, everyone listening at home, be safe. Wash your hands. Social distance. For example, I was going to have a board game night with some old friends that I used to hang out with at Rice. We are now doing a remote game night tonight where we're all going to play Jackbox and stream it <laughs> to yes. each other. So just do smart things. Wash your hands a lot. I, If you're listening to this episode of Horse, every time... I try to defend the Knicks, wash your hands. Every time we say Shaq's name, wash your hands. Any sort of recurring thing that we do. Don't be Rudy Gobert. <laughs> is right. a resounding message. Everyone who's been on the internet, this is your time to shine. Show people how to use Hangouts. Show people how to use Zoom. <laughs> All the podcasters out there, we out here, baby. Let's keep yeah. the economy afloat. Let's do it. Yes, and just as a final editor's programming note for the rest of this episode because what we will be doing for the rest of this episode is stuff that was recorded on Wednesday. If we make any jokes about the timeliness of the NBA status and coronavirus, if we're wrong, that's why the rest of this episode was recorded on Wednesday. <laughs> I don't think we did, if <laughs> we could check that, but if I missed it, it's because we recorded it earlier. I will say, and I don't want to make light of the of our Kobe episode either, but like we keep making really good, funny content after we report very serious topics. Like I'm very excited for people to hear what's in this episode. We also cause things to happen because we recorded this episode Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> And then Wednesday night is when this all went down. And this has happened multiple times with less intense things like trades or other league happenings. Of course, it was on the day that we recorded. Of 
course it was. Of course. Also, um, if anyone knows Mr. ESPN, like we're available. Mm-hmm. We can talk about things. We're very good Dude, at it's it. It's so funny because a couple of people tweeted at us and they're asking, oh, what are you guys going to do now that the NBA is canceled? Uh, two thirds of our show is just old NBA <laughs> stories and random NBA happenings. We have made the perfect format for a basketball podcast. We can survive anything. We'll continue to see how things develop and stuff, but that's all we've got for this edition of Full Court Press. Get it like the news. Yes, I'm glad I'm following the news, <laughs> finally. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. Well, Mike, it's my turn to do three on three, and I wanted to do something now that we're back in the studio. Uh, it's a little silly, a little bit fun. I think when we were talking to the guys at Tipping Pitches, uh, which was an amazing episode, you should go listen to it, but they have like a horse-style show for baseball. We were talking about coaches a lot, and I think that managers inherently are very funny people. Yes. They're former players or people who love the game so much that they want to tell other people how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Some coaches are tall, but some coaches are short. My three on three are the three shortest coaching tenures and three fun facts about short coaches. Oh, wow. Okay, going for a short-on-short theme. Short-on-short. So the way that we're looking at this, you started the season with one team. Your first game was the first game of the season. Mm And then you lasted out a certain number of games, and that was your tenure with that particular team being the coach. Okay. I'm excited to see who these are and see if I remember them, if they were in recent memory. But if it's some old thing where it's like, in 1956, Skip Rabberhazer. Oh, no, coached, Skip Rabberhazer. He coached the New Hampshire. Uh, no, that's not what I'm talking shoe about. Shoe soles for two minutes. So number three, we have Rudy Tomjanovich. Oh, Rudy. Who is the coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. He only lasted 41 games. Okay. All right. Here's the thing about Rudy. He was a pretty well-recognized coach. He was the coach of the Rockets from 91 to 2003, and he won two championships. Right. They won the title twice. Yeah, and he only had two losing seasons. So obviously, when he becomes a Lakers coach, it's going to be fine. Here's the thing. It wasn't. What year was it again? Uh, He got signed on to be the Lakers coach in 2005. Oh, no. No. That was right after Shaq left. Yes. Uh Uh-oh. Smush Parker's on the team. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. This also came right at the heels of the previous coach, Phil Jackson, releasing the book, The Last Season. Oh, boy. A team in search of its soul. Is this the first time we talk about this book on horse? Yes, which is bonkers. Which is, it it, it is like a, it is a delicious, nasty tell-all from Phil Jackson about the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. What was so bonkers about this book So to put it in perspective, he wrote this book about his last season with the Lakers and released it right after he quit. Yep. (laughs) It came out right after he was done coaching the Lakers. Most tell-all books, it's like, 10 years later, here's some shit that went down. He was like, I stopped working for them yesterday. Here's a book about all the bullshit. I'm Phil. Wild. (laughs) Fucking Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson, Nick Legend, huge fucking asshole. Huge asshole. Huge asshole. Massive asshole. So... Much. When I was in the Dominican Republic, a.k.a. the Cheesecake Factory, I brought a beach read for the honeymoon because I haven't read a book since I started Potterless. And <laughs> I read the Phoenix Suns book, which everyone should go buy. You can get on Amazon for like 50 cents. And it's by that, book. I mean like $5 called Seven Seconds or Less by Jack McCallum, who is a legend. A lot of the book is about their series that went to seven games against the Lakers. And Jack McCallum calls out Phil Jackson for being a piece of shit. On many pages. Such an asshole. It's so good. Take some photos and send it to me, please. (laughs) So this is flying around. Smush Parker is there. Mm -hmm. And also Kobe is at the peak of people thinking he's a diva. 
which I don't know whether or not is true or not, but it was the idea, especially reinforced by this book from Phil Jackson, that he was like peak diva. People also didn't like Kobe for other things that he did around this time that we have discussed. Mm-hmm. So that was they didn't help. It Kobe didn't stock help. was very, very, very low. The point is, lots of drama happening. Mm-hmm. Here's some stuff that happened to Rudy Tomjanovich in his life. He was the one who got punched by Kermit Washington in the seventies. All right, and o- which almost killed him from a punch on an NBA court. This man would have died. Yeah. Google it. Warning. It's disgusting. We understand Tom Janovich is hard to spell, so just Google Kermit Washington punch, punch on uh. YouTube. He throws a absolute haymaker at Rudy. Mr. Rudy. He would have died from a single punch. It was nasty. Mm-hmm. Also, he struggled with alcoholism and he defeated bladder cancer in 2003. So, like, he's seen some shit, right? Truly. But somehow that this terrible Lakers season got to him that he had to quit. The Lakers went uh, 24-19, not bad, right. but after 41 games, he had to call it quits just for his health. People suspected that it was because, like, Kobe was so hard to coach, mm-hmm. it was so bad, but Rudy was just like, I, can't, I just can't do this, guys. <laughs> I fought off cancer. I can't do this. The fact that it's exactly 41 games is funny to me because that is exactly half of the games of an NBA season. Yeah. And the All-Star break does not happen at the exact halfway point in the season. So it's not like he did it during the All-Star break or something. But he was just like, I'm going to do half a season and reassess. And he just thought, nope, can't do it. Nope, I, I don't did do my this. half a year. I wonder if there was something in his contract where he had to last a half a season or something. Probably. It just being exactly 41 is kind of funny. I mean, when all of this is happening, you're just like, I can't. Lakers, dude, take care of yourselves. I can't do this. Yeah. No, thank you. All right, number two is Bob Weiss, uh, Seattle Supersonics, only lasted 30 games. This one's not that interesting. He got promoted from internally. He was an assistant and a head coach. Uh, He had Ray Allen and Richard Lewis, but he was known as a cheaper option, even though Flip Saunders and Paul Silas could have been coaches. Basically, like, the Seattle Supersonics, we've talked about them as, like, an entity, as a franchise. They just, like, didn't tolerate coaches for very long. Mm -hmm. So just, like, the Seattle Supersonics were like, no. (laughs) Just stop. Please stop. If it is broke, do fix it. That's what I always say. So it was just like, Bob, sorry, guy. You just you didn't do a good job. We tried. It didn't work. I'm sorry. This is the least fun part of the the things that I can't. Let's go to the next one. All right. And finally, we have Jerry Tarkington. What? Who only lasted for 20 games for this uh, San Antonio Spurs. This is a pre-pop Spurs era. Jeez, that is very long ago. What year was this? This is in 1992. Ooh, okay, David Robinson era. Jerry Targenton might have seen like a strange coaching hire at the time. Although he definitely knew how to coach, he was the coach of the uh, UNLV team, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. The that, Rebels. The running Rebels, who made the Final Four four times and won the NCAA championship in 1990. But... He had to resign from that team because, for those of you who know your college basketball, there was a gambling scandal at UNLV, which is unsurprising. It's almost like the NCAA is bad. Shout out to Apple Podcasts putting us as one of the March Madness podcasts to listen to. Ah. But yeah, UNLV was tied to a sports fixer, oh. and that's why he had to resign. Mm. So the Spurs were like, ah, I'm going to get that guy. 
to be our coach. Mm. This is the only time we talk about college basketball when it's bad and it's bad for the NBA. Um, Yeah, man. He just didn't do a good job for San Antonio Spurs and they just fired him after 20 games. They were like, this was a bad idea. We should have done this. The funny thing about the article that highlighted the events was that it was written like an obituary. Oh, boy. The New York Times writer Robert McGee Thomas Jr., he was known for writing obituaries for the New York Times, and he wrote this firing story. Oh, my goodness. Here are some quotes for you. A professional coaching career that began with jitters and unincluded bouts of chest pains, team dissension, and unaccustomed underachievement came to abrupt end yesterday. When Jerry Tarkington was dismissed as a coach of the San Antonio Spurs hours before the team's 21st game of the season against Dallas at home. Something about the phrase hours before. You never use that unless it's a bad sentence. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Here's more from the article. The move, which came as San Antonio struggled with a 9-11 record, was announced by the team's owner, Red McCombs. Great name. Wow. Who made it sound like an execution. Coach Tarkington has been terminated, he said. (laughs) Apparently he said that. In 1992, is that when Terminator 2 came out? (laughs) I can't even tell you. Was it on the brain? Tarkington may have actually brought on his own dismissal with a letter he sent to McCombs on Monday urging the acquisition of a point guard and arguing that the team could simply not win without one. All I wanted was a point guard, he said. (laughs) That's not a ridiculous claim to make. And that is how, apparently, Jerry Tarkington's coaching career came to peace when he passed away from the NBA coaching carousel. That's like firing your head chef at your Mexican restaurant where he is saying, can I please have tortillas? (laughs) (laughs) I I just wanted tortillas. (laughs) Also, Terminator 2 came out in 1991. I was so close. It was so close. (laughs) My kingdom for a jalapeno (laughs) pepper. So I thought that was I thought that was very funny. All right, you want some you want some uh, three fun facts about short coaches? I would love them. Number one, do you know what the average height of an NBA coach is? I'm going to guess that it's six four. Kind of a good guess, okay? Because as we said, there are a lot of former NBA players. Also, like people just inherently, and this is like my big brain here. People just trust men who are six feet and over. Yeah, it's like such a fallacy. It's awful as someone that is six feet on the nose. <laughs> It's bad because the average height just of dudes yeah. is 5'8". Mm-hmm. So the, ah, the fact that we've added four inches to be like six feet is normal. It's like that's that's mean. Yeah, you're oh, you're taller. So you must be smarter and better at things, obviously. <laughs> Literally everything. I do think that contributed to Trump getting elected. Is He's it? a big dude. Yeah. It's like, look at this big man who's going to take care of me. Ugh. Fucking stupid. Ugh. Well, someone on Cora wanted to answer our question for us. And as of November 13th, 2012, the mean height of 30 current NBA coaches is 6 feet, 2.43 inches. Ooh. With a standard deviation of 3.3 inches. The median is 6 foot 2. The tallest coach at the time was Kevin McHale at 6'10", mm-hmm. and the shortest was Lawrence Frank at 5'8". So the shortest coach was the average wow. height of men. Wow. Mike, uh, here's a histogram <laughs> because Cora oh, is a Oh, hell yeah, place. baby. I love it. I just think that was very funny. Uh, see, I bring math to this podcast sometimes. I tried to make my own estimations about who I think is the tallest and the shortest. I couldn't really figure out who the shortest was because I ruined my Google history trying to Google Brad Stevens' height, Eric Spolster's height. Both of them 6'1". Yeah. Super weird. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wouldn't even even thought of that. Uh, but I did think that Luke Walton is currently the tallest at six foot eight. Yeah, quite a tall boy. Some short boys. Uh, Larry Brown is only five foot nine. Okay. And Marv Albert is five six. 
<laughs> Marv Albert was never a coach, was he? No, I just wanted to share something okay. fun with you. <laughs> but you know who was really short? Number two, Muggsy Bogues. He coached. Muggsy Bogues was short even as a WNBA coach. Ooh. Since leaving the NBA, Muggsy Bogues worked in real estate. <laughs> this is all Hell. from Wikipedia. This is yes. so funny. So he worked in real estate until August 3rd, 2005, when he was named the head coach of the Charlotte Sting of the WNBA. He got out right before the housing crash, baby. Good for him. Good for Muggsy. And he didn't have any coaching experience. They were like, hey, Muggsy, you want to do it? And he was like, hell yeah, this ball's about to burst. <laughs> Big short, maybe. I'll be a coach. Uh, what's very funny is that Muggsy Bogues was shorter than all of his players. At five foot six, Helen Darling was the shortest Sting player and was three inches taller than her coach. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, Muggsy Bogues led the Sting to a fourteen and thirty record Oy. before the team folded in January two thousand seven. Oh, it was so bad that the team doesn't exist anymore, Muggsy. Exactly. No. <laughs> I want to talk about Magic Johnson's epic 16-game coaching stint as the coach of the L.A. Lakers. Yeah. I know a little bit about this from Bill Simmons' book of basketball, and I took it all with a grain of salt because Bill hates the Lakers more than anyone. That's true. So I'm excited to hear from another Boston Celtics fan that hates the Lakers, but Ah! maybe a little less. (laughs) So Magic had his HIV diagnosis. He told the NBA, so he took some time away, and he was like, quote-unquote, retired. Mm Mm-hmm. He came back to the NBA as a coach of the Lakers at the end of the 93-94 NBA season. They were already doing so poorly. They had two other interim coaches. Jerry Buss, the owner of the Lakers at the time, just like, hey, Magic, you want to do this? And Magic said, I've always had the desire to coach in the back of my mind. Hold on to that sentence. Just hold on to that sentence, okay? okay? Amid speculation from general manager Jerry West that he may only coach until the end of the season, Magic Johnson took over for a 28-38 and 38 Lakers team that was just kind of floating around. Mm-hmm. His first victory was over the Milwaukee Bucks, and he won five of his first six games as a coach. Nice. Unfortunately, the Lakers finished the season on a 10-game losing streak. Yay! And his final record as a head coach was 5-11. and 11. Here are some weird things that I want to tell you. Magic Johnson was still on contract as a player. Hell yeah. <laughs> so he baby, was still getting paid you from love the Lakers. To hear it. So he had a separate contract as a coach that said, hey, Magic, we're not paying you for coaching. And he's like, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This feels like the Lakers just doing a weird workaround to not have to pay a coach for a little bit of a season. I think that's what it was. It I'm really feels like, that we way. We got this guy that we're already paying money. The season's already lost. This will put butts in seats. Let's just have this guy do it, and then we don't have to pay him. It's like asking your friend to work on something for you, and then you're like, it'll be great exposure. (laughs) No, you're doing me a favor. You're going to love it. Then, at the end of the season, Magic Johnson was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. He said he was never his dream to coach. Well, he only said that the thought was in the back of his mind. Didn't say it was his dream. It wasn't a dream, but it was in the back of his mind. Look, in the back of my mind, sometimes I wonder if I devoted all of my athletic ability towards the Olympic sport handball. If from age five, my parents were just like, yo, mm-hmm. just play handball. Yeah. Could I have made the Olympic team? Probably. I think I probably could have. Because the U.S. has a bad team. They don't really care. No. I feel like all of the people on the team are just people that have cared about it since they were kids. I feel that way about water polo. Like, I know that water no, polo water is water polo is like... definitely big enough. You haven't lived in Texas. People uh. in Texas love 
pools and pool related sports because <laughs> pool it's so related hot. Activities. <laughs> when I talk to people in Texas, because I only went to high school in Texas, everyone all the time when they forget I'm from New Jersey, they're like, oh yeah, you were on swim team growing up, right? It's like, no, dude, there were no swim teams in New Jersey. We could go in pools like three months out of the year. <laughs> I feel like everyone who is on any sort of swim team, like it just requires getting up at four in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I've never heard any story that's like, and then I got up at a regular time and I went in a swim. Let me tell you, as a former lifeguard at Rice University, I had to get up early to do morning shifts, and the only people in the pool was the college swim team, and I always hated doing those morning shifts, because it's like, these people are all better swimmers (laughs) than me. What the fuck am I going to do? I'm going to do nothing here. I'm going to hop in the pool and save Langston? Uh, Langston should ask his friends! It's just... What are we doing? <laughs> the better solution for me would just be to be like, hey, Sydney, you go jump in and save Karen's life because you're better at this than I am. I'm good at swimming. You're paid money via scholarships to swim. You're better than me. I can just give you the whistle. Like, I, you don't need anything Here, else other the than the whistle. Thing. <laughs> I, I'll handle the CPR part, which I know very well, but you just get them out. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring them to me. I'll bring them to here. me. I'll do the compressions and sing "Staying Alive." I'll stay alive. I'll still be here. I just won't be wearing a swimsuit. It just saved me one step in the morning. Definitely still put uh, sunscreen just on my nose oh, you for those it. seven a.m. Uh, morning Maybe. lifeguard sessions. <laughs> All right, so he, are you ready for the weird deep state stuff? Yes. Okay. So Magic decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. He instead chose to purchase a 5% share of the team in June 1994. Smart. Which is weird. So this is where Magic owning part of the Lakers came from mm-hmm. when they were like, hey, thanks for doing this for us. Here, have 5% of the team. Pretty dope. Weird. Here's the really weird part. He got ejected from a game. Mm-hmm. He got two technicals. So on April 6th, he had a heated debate following a foul call against the Kings and was promptly tossed from the game. Nice. I thought this was weird, so I looked into the game in question, and I found the AP report from that game. Magic Johnson bumped into a second-year NBA referee and was ejected in the second quarter of the game between the LA Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. So this was totally wrong, too. Magic Johnson was yelling at the at the ref, and then he went out on the court to like talk to him, but like ran right into him, and you just like can't t- touch. You the cannot refs, right? make contact with the ref. Magic Johnson bumped Scott Foster, <gasps> age twenty nine. Whoa! Now, for those of you who don't know, Scott Ooh. Foster is epically known. As being incredibly hard on NBA superstars, Mm -hmm. especially the Houston Rockets. What does that have to do with Magic Johnson? I just think it's, Uh, I just, so just just for context, (laughs) Scott Foster was the one who refereed the first two games of the Warriors-Rockets series a little while ago, Mm -hmm. where like the Rockets were totally shut out. The Rockets have a terrible, terrible record when Scott Foster refs their games. They actually don't. James Harden says this and they're like 500 when he refs. Oh, I saw 0-6 in the playoffs. Oh, maybe it's a playoff thing. Regular season, it's like 500. But there was a thing a while ago where James Harden was like, Scott Foster hates me. A lot. Well, the thing is, a lot of NBA superstars are saying this. Like, I've seen Paul Pierce has talked about it, and he's mm-hmm. talked to other people. James Harden and Chris Paul, when he was on the Rockets, they talked about it a lot. Mm. I think this feels like a villain origin story. Oh, like, yeah. Magic Johnson ran uh. into Scott Foster, and Scott Foster's like, oh, man, all these NBA superstars are pushing me around. I'm never having this with me again. He was 29, wow. and now this is just, like, embedded in his referee brain. I like it. So I, that's my... Uh, <laughs> This is my late wedding present to you is this deep state idea that Magic Johnson turned Scott Foster into the terrible referee that he is today, hating NBA superstars. I'm excited for the new film to come out called Foster, which is a shot for shot remake of Joker, but with (laughs) Scott Foster Foster instead. Send in the clowns. Send in the Houston Rockets. (laughs) 
So there you go. Short coaching tenures and three fun facts about short coaches slash coaching tenures. Amazing. There you go. Thank you so much for sharing. Hashtag short coaches. So I have a, that actually happened, that is very near and dear to my heart. It is something that I have wanted to discuss on this podcast for a very long time. And I'm very happy to bring this incredible content. If any of you out here are multitude listeners and listen to spirits, you're going to like this one because, hey, did you know that the hotel that the Oklahoma City Thunder put the visiting teams in is haunted as fuck? Yes. (laughs) I love this. Is this the story that got opted by Kyrie to be turned into a horror movie? I don't know. I did not hear about this, but I did do research about horror stories of players about this hotel. Yes. So a lot of this research comes from a New York Times article written by Jordan Branch, and the opening to it is absolutely bonkers and so incredibly overdramatic, but in the best way. Go stories, go stories. So Jordan writes, the roster of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I feel like I should read this like the guy from Twilight Zone. The roster of the... (laughs) The roster of the Oklahoma City Thunder is championship caliber talent, but the team's play. <laughs> I love this. But the team's playoff hopes may rest, though not in peace, with one bit player who remains largely unseen. She is an aberrational sixth man of sorts who may or may not exist at all in this world or any other. But Effie, the housekeeper, has been known to play wicked defense and oh haunt Thunder opponents, oh most of whom stay at the 103-year-old Skirvin Hilton Hotel. I wasn't ready for you to introduce that. Oh, my God. So we go to a quote from Karan Butler, who at the time of writing this in 2014 was on the Thunder, but he had bounced around to a lot of other teams. He said, quote, everyone in the league knows about her. I like it. (laughs) That's how you know they respect the ghost when they have not it pronouns. Very good. Mm -hmm. Hopefully she'll haunt all the teams that come for the playoffs. Amazing. So here's the story, the urban legend. Okay. All of these things that I'm about to say are according to an urban legend. They are not proven fact. Wait, hold on. Should I put the spirits music in right here? <laughs> Welcome to Horse of Boozy Dive and NBA Ghost Legends. I'm Eric, and there's Shoes. As playing the role of Julia Shafini, I'm going to pronounce every name wrong and get yelled at it on Twitter. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Julia. <laughs> so the story I'll, goes. I'll ask you later if you want me to keep that in. Oh, no. Keep it in for sure. The story is that Effie was a housekeeper during the early years of the Skirvin Hotel, which at the time back then was a luxury downtown hotel. The hotel had an owner who was a widow, mm-hmm. and his name was W.B. Skirvin, which of course it was. is the most villain sounding name ever. I'm pretty sure this is the same guy from Devil in the White City. <laughs> Good reference. All right. So... He was rumored to have an affair with Effie, the housekeeper. Aren't they all? He got her pregnant. Of course. And demanded that she stay locked in a room on one of the higher floors in the hotel, even after she gave birth. Eventually, Effie just lost it, grabbed the baby, and jumped out of the window, killing herself and the child. That's the urban legend. Classic. Classic horror movie. So as far as how does this translate into haunting the hotel... The things that Effie does to make her presence felt is apparently knocking on doors, opening drawers, and propositioning men with her voice or by appearing next to them in the shower. (laughs) Get it, Effie. Let's go. (laughs) 
I like how this whole thing, even with the story, it was just like, oh, Effie shouldn't slept with that guy. Obviously, she went crazy with her baby. And then she shows up next to NBA players. And she's ready to fuck. <laughs> so you also can see Effie pushing a baby carriage down the hallways at night. And you can also hear the sound of her crying baby. So Steve Lackmeyer a reporter for the Oklahoman, a local newspaper, and someone who just hates fun says that it's all baloney. He co- Come on, Steve! <laughs> Steve, we're just having fun here! Let us have this! He co-wrote a book called Skirvin, which was about the hotel's history. Oh, uh, he wrote it from the perspective of the hotel and the guy? I don't know, it was just called Skirvin. Well, it sounds like Effie's not gonna get a fair shake here. Something tells me that Skirvin is not gonna be like, well, let's let's rationally talk about how Effie was put into a really difficult situation. So, it does describe the mysterious death of its first general manager, Ooh. but in all of their research, they found no record of a housekeeper named Effie or of any housekeeper who leapt to her death. Lackmire goes on to say, quote, If you had a maid suffer a bloody ending, it would not have been kept quiet. This was a small town. Okay, Steve. Okay, Steve, you clearly are underestimating the power of W.B. Skirvin. W.B. Skirvin would 100% keep this quiet. He 100%. had $5 and gave it to everyone in Oklahoma City. This would be so House of Cards-esque. And I assume no one's watching this show, so spoiler alert, maybe. But look at what Frank Underwood did. Pushes Kate Mara in front of a moving subway, then kills everybody who knows about it. Oh, I'm sorry that a hotel magnet doesn't seem like the kind of person to kill someone and then keep it quiet. And so then, weird, Steve. And then also wipe the record of him having an affair if in his own hotel. If only the owner had access to records. If only... Steve, uh. your logic is airtight. <laughs> this was a small town. So, uh, like any story that I bring to the table, uh, the Knicks are involved. Of course. So, Jared Jeffries told the New York Daily News, quote, the place is haunted. It's scary. I like how the Daily News is going to head on the ball here. Don't worry. They get in there and they do something truly fantastic later on. His teammate... At the time, Eddie Curry said that he slept only two hours one of the nights they were staying there. Uh, he said that he was assigned to the 10th floor, which is apparently the spooky one because that's the one that she's rumored to maybe have jumped from. Sure. Because the hotel used to be 10 floors and then it got expanded into 14 floors. So they're mm. like, oh, what happened on the 10th floor? <laughs> Eddie Curry said he spent most of his time in Nate Robinson's room, afraid to be alone. <laughs> now, if you don't know anything about these two players, Eddie Curry is seven feet tall, and Nate Robinson is five foot four. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so I love that big man has to go to the room of very small man to feel safe and secure. So then Jordan Branch, who's writing this New York Times article, says that Curry told this to the Daily News, which illustrated its article with a photograph of not the Skirvin, but of the Bates Motel. <laughs> So I went to that oh, New York no. Daily News article. We'll put both of these on the website, of course. And it has a picture of the Bates Motel. And then it says, with all the horror stories, the Knicks might have well have been staying at the Bates Motel this past weekend. All right. Like, I have an overriding question that maybe you'll end up getting to. Mm -hmm. Why did the Oklahoma City Thunder send teams to a haunted hotel? Head games, baby. Head games. Oh, so they... <laughs> 
I was like, you don't know, so it's just conjecture. I don't know. They they're owned by the Hilton, maybe. It's, right. It's a big hotel close to the arena. I guess it's just like is that, and we talk about this all the time when it comes to the NBA. If the NBA was a workplace and you were visiting another workplace, and they're like, oh man, we're gonna put you up in the best hotel in town. Also, it's haunted. <laughs> Be like, I do not want to go back to the Oklahoma City office anytime soon. Look, we don't know what came first. The chicken or the reports of hauntings in this hotel. I know that the Oklahoma City Thunder, once they heard this stuff, were like, yeah, we're sticking with this hotel for <laughs> sure, dude. Are you kidding me? Russell's like, I need to stay here. <laughs> so it's not just the Knicks. The Bulls also had issues with it. Taj Gibson and Derek Rose confirmed that they heard door slamming and bangs throughout the night. It's not just NBA players. Bill Simmons himself. Oh, shit. <laughs> said that Papa he, Bill went and stayed at the hotel. He said that he heard the baby crying throughout the night when he stayed in the hotel. In 2013, Wesley Johnson, who was on the Sons of Phoenix at a time, said that he woke up, and this is the creepiest, scariest one, and Zach Lowe <laughs> has talked about this one multiple times on the Low Post podcast. He says that he woke up, found that his bathroom door had closed. He left it open. He opened the bathroom door, went into the bathroom, and his tub was filled with water. Oh, shit. So here's the thing. You could just be thinking, oh, maybe the faucet leaked and turned on in the middle of the night. It sure. wasn't running. The bathtub was just full of water and then stopped. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That one's a weird one. That's the weirdest one. If I was Eric Schneider, I would say, that's bad. <laughs> Aren't you, though? You guys are the No, same I'm person, not right? Eric Schneider. Okay. You wouldn't know from looking at us and seeing how our names are different, but I'm not Eric Schneider. Right, right, right. right. I see Eric S. and my brain shuts off. <laughs> I just stop reading after five letters. It's like when people tweet at me and don't put the C in Shubes as they tweet to a handle at Shubes17. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I've been tweeting to Shubes16 this whole time. That's chill. He's been getting all of my anti-Nick screeds. Someone else with the last name Schubert. I'm sorry really about the other 16 Schuberts I've been tweeting <laughs> at. So this article was written in 2014. At that time, the Lakers and the Thunder had met a couple times in the playoffs. So apparently there was a Facebook account. You remember back in 2014 when people would make funny Facebook accounts and pages that you could like, and it would be like, Mike likes ordering a pork roll egg and cheese sandwich at Wawa. And then like the pages, yeah. this whole silly thing. Apparently there was a page made called quote, put Kobe in Effie's room of the Skirvin. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Amazing. Head games, head games. The Skirvin tries to downplay this as much as possible. Obviously you're calling it the Skirvin and it sounds worse. Like, Hey, change the name. Call, I mean, it the, call it the Marriott Bonvoy. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Technically, it's the Skirvin Hilton Hotel, but just calling it the Skirvin makes it sound fancier. Skirvin. The Skirvin tries to downplay it. Their general manager, Brett Sundstrom. All right, Brett. <laughs> says, quote, the position that the hotel has had and continues to have is that we don't discuss the lore, the myths, or the legends. Which means this shit is 100% fucking haunted. <laughs> I like that. That is like the most, not, that is the biggest bullshit Avoiding of saying it non-denial ever. I love that it's the position that the position we can't talk of the about. Hotel. That we just it's it might exist, we just can't talk about this it. This is a thousand percent confirmed. Oh god. This is such a damning confirmation if you're gonna say the position that the hotel has had. It's like when the Astros are trying to say that they didn't cheat when they played baseball, when the commissioner was like, You guys cheated real bad. We know you cheated. Like we know there's ghosts. And then like Alex Bregman is like, oh, the the MLB did their discussions and their investigations, and uh, I have no further comments on the matter. You cheated, dog! Just say you're sorry. 
But thankfully, some people that work in the scrum that aren't general manager Brett Sundstrom. Brett. They're good sports. One of the banquet workers said that she sometimes heard a crying baby, mostly in the basement or on the 10th floor or on the 14th floor. Those are the three problem areas. Ooh. The old top floor, the new top floor, and then the basement. Basements are always terrifying. See, this is why you unionize, so that the workers can talk about ghost <laughs> stories. <laughs> workers' rights, talk about ghost stories. But, but here's where I lose a little bit of faith in the banquet worker, because she said, quote, it's not scary because it's something that I only hear, not that I see. <laughs> Those things are inherently scarier when you can't see them, I banquet will, worker. I will say it sounds like this woman has seen some shit, and I trust her more. They're like, hey, only when I see it with my eyes do I get afraid. Y'all ghosts need to come at me. <laughs> look, at you, look at you if you're going to scare me. Workers' rights, ghost stories. So this New York Times article tried to find the origin of these ghost stories if they're saying that they're false. So all signs point to Jason Gammon who retold the story in 2010. He has a website called The Demonical, or Demoniac? It's not Demonical. There's an I in there. Like the demo Demon? The Demoniacal, which, I don't know. That That's like the Demonomicon or something. Right, but it's not. It's the demon Iacle. The Demoniacal. <laughs> it's a demon monocle. Yes. It's the demon monocle. That's how you read the website, is you put on the demon monocle, and then you can read it. It's like Google Glass. It's just one eye there. And then you're cursed exactly. if you have it on for too long. Of course, of course. Yeah. So a little bit of backstory, though. The hotel was closed for about 20 years in between it being just the Skirvin and then it being reopened as the Hilton. Okay. So there was a point in time where it was just vacant. Jason, in the 90s, used to frequent the parking garage next door with his friends to loiter. I mean, I guess. I guess. I mean, you're in Oklahoma City. I don't know what else it's there is to do. It's 1994. The basketball team is not there yet, so <laughs> I assume there is nothing to do. So sure, you just loiter in the parking garage. But while they would do all this loitering, they befriended an elderly security guard that used to walk around the premises for the closed hotel. Again, you have nothing better to do. The security guard told this story. Told the story about a young woman who people called Effie, but the security guard said her real name was Julia Shafini. So did the security guard kill Effie? <laughs> Who's to say? Was this security guard a real person? Maybe he was also a ghost. Who's to say? Really, who's to say? Mm. Shit. So the story that Gammon shared was that Effie and the baby fell from the window of room 832, which is on the front side of the hotel. But the pervasive story today is that it was the 10th floor. So there's mm. some arguing about which floor this occurred on. Sure. But now that it's reopened as the Hilton, the hotel's been renovated. So they made a lot of the rooms bigger, which reduced the total number of rooms in the hotel. So now there is no longer a room 832. Ah! Oh, so or so you may think. <laughs> and now we have the ghost of Effie, who's going to come on and tell her side of the story. Very excited about it. To round out the discussion of this haunted hotel, I've brought back our favorite friend, general manager, Mr. Sundstrom, who hates fun. <laughs> he says, quote, athletes are very superstitious. <laughs> I need a guess about basketball. <laughs> Not just about ghosts. <laughs> These big men, they're a bunch of babies. <laughs> Mike, I don't want to put a damper on this wonderful story that you shared, but I remember reading this, and I think this was right when we started Horse, and it was something I really wanted to share with you. Remember when Kyrie 
like decided he was going to be a movie mogul after Uncle Drew came out. Oh, you mean the same Kyrie Irving that made an Instagram post this season that was like, the media's taken over and they want to make this such an entertainment thing. I'm not, I'm not about that life, says the guy who literally this summer was in a movie called Uncle Drew, which was based off of his five-part Pepsi commercial series that he used to do. Yeah, Kyrie Irving, tell me more about it. Yeah, that Kyrie. So you know who I'm talking about. Great. This is from a Bleacher Report article, January 28th, 2019. A full year ago, Kyrie Irving will expand on his movie career by starring in a horror film about the Skirvin Hotel in Oklahoma City. The oral history of the building and various stories will be discussed by an upcoming Players' Tribune article, which was optioned by Image Entertainment. Having had my own interesting experiences at the Skirvin Hotel, I connected with his idea immediately, Irving said. Brian Grazer, who I guess is going to be the producer, is a dream come true, and I'm excited to bring blah, blah, blah. Definitely a dream come true. When he was a kid, what do you want to do when you grow up, Kyrie? I want to make a basketball documentary with Brian Grazer. <laughs> About a haunted hotel in Oklahoma City. But Kyrie, the Oklahoma City Thunder do not exist yet. It's 2002. I know, but one day opens my third eye to see the future. Oh, this is even, it's not even oral history. The Players' Tribune article is by Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm. It came out on April 5th, and it said, I'm not 100% sure ghosts aren't real. (laughs) But the best part is you can see that there's a little Sharpie here. That keeps drawing. It drew out the, the words of the title. That's very so good. So apparently Tim Hardaway, such a good writer, that <laughs> Kyrie had to option it. If you would like to read further about this story, we'll also put this Players Tribune Tim Hardaway article up on the website at horsehoops.com. Here's a quote for you. The Players Tribune is beautiful. It's amazing. It's right. great. Some of the stories are so fantastic. I'm not going to sit here and say, yo, ghosts are real. Then everybody's going to be like, hey, there goes Timmy, the ghost guy. (laughs) 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 Oh, fuck. Oh, man. He used the word but. He put 15 U's in it. But there's this one hotel. (laughs) It's this place called the Skirvin Hotel, a hotel in downtown Oklahoma City. Straight up, the Skirvin's haunted, (laughs) y'all. Kyrie fell in love with the language. Yeah. He needed to turn it into a movie. He truly did. <laughs> Gosh. Well, that that is the tale of how the Skirvin Hotel is a thousand percent haunted. And anytime we're in Oklahoma City, you know for sure we're staying at the Skirvin. Oh, no. There is no way we are not staying at the Skirvin. That's 100%. I will be requesting a room on the 10th floor. <laughs> so, yeah, that actually happened. Apparently, it actually happened. Yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. said, listen, he's not Timmy the Ghost Guy. But, <laughs> but he is Timmy the Ghost but Guy. But he is Timmy the Ghost Guy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Eric Silver and Mike Schubert. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert, except for last week, which was run by Eric Silver. Those were all the bad <laughs> tweets. Oh, I'm not sure about that. The art- it sounds like Eric Silver protected Mike Schubert as much as he could. The art is by Allison Wakeman, and the website is by Kelly Schubert. Oh, it's different hey. now. Hey. Special thanks to our producer-level patrons, Brian Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Cody Powell, Salvador Testa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Bird, Shooby Dooby Doo, I'm Adam Silver, Godzilla got busy, Dame Judy Dench is my DM, Woucher Vandermain, Madeline Heisig, Self Slam Chops, Steph Curry for three, Siobhan Ellsbury, Kendra Hadley, and he sells seashells. Pretty easy when you put a 40-second pause in between. <laughs> I'm going to edit it together so it sounded quicker. (laughs) 
and Kyrie Irving for optioning that great story. You can find us on the internet at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook and Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter because, as we say every episode, it's because... Horse Hoops murdered someone in a hotel. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they got banned from Exactly, Twitter. that's, yeah. Our website is horsehoops.com, which has all of our research and the visual stuff you didn't see because it's the podcast. And if you want to check out some sweet bonus content such as... Five on five, where we turn the three on threes and include our honorable mentions. Overtime, where Eric and I talk about basketball, which is definitely going to be me talking about this Tim Hardaway Jr. story that didn't pop up in my research. Thanks, Google's SEO. <laughs> also, we have merchandise and stuff, stickers, jerseys that we're sending out soon, etc. All of that lives at patreon.com slash horse hoops. You know what? Podcast Collective never trusts men over six feet unless we have a good reason. Multitude shows. It's, it's multitude. Cool, cool, it's cool. Multitude. <laughs> multitude is an audio collective of people who work together to make podcasts about awesome things. And if you're feeling a little like you want to stay inside, you can just listen to us and we're going to make you feel better during this anxious time. Listen to the new episodes from all of the podcasts. Exciting things are happening across all of them. Yeah. You, you're already listening to Horse, but Join the Party is starting their season two. Spirits is chugging along with amazing interviews and the ghost stories are always getting better and better and better. And Mike, have you heard of this Podolith podcast? I have. It's in a new phase because they just did their last standard movie episode, and now they're getting into some J.K. Rowling spinoff stuff. So yes. phase three of Potterless Tokyo Drift is beginning. So check that out. Dibs on uh, the musical. The very Potter ones? One of them. Okay. Any of the, any, are there other musicals I don't know about? No, but sometimes people think Chris Child's a musical. Those people Thankfully are incorrect. not. Those people are incorrect. <laughs> there was the only way to make it worse if they turned it into a musical. That would have been bad. Or better. They had to do something. <laughs> you can go to multitude.productions to look at all the stuff we're doing and check out our resources, and you can follow us on the internet at Multitude Shows. And as we round out every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. I think it's only fitting to mimic the words of our best friend, General Manager Brett Sundstrom, <laughs> and say uh, the position that the hotel has had and continues to have is that we won't discuss the lore, myths, or the legends. Can you send that to me? Although <laughs> it's too long, can you send it to me? I like it. One, one, two, two three. three. The, the position, position that the hotel, hotel has had, had and continues, continues to have is that, that we don't discuss the lore, the myths, or the legends. Oh, that ghost was there. That's a thousand percent, dude. You don't say that unless it happened. That's for sure. I need to know more about this banquet worker. She's seen some shit. And she was anonymous, too. Oh, <laughs> I've seen too much. I can't use my real name. She's Effie's great-granddaughter. Maybe it is Effie. And then, did they say that the banquet worker disappeared into the wall They did not say it? They should have. It's an important detail. Who's to say the truth is out there? (laughs) Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.